then you think this service can be a turning point in the life of our church. Then let us celebrate the event of ordination and the fact that we have all been called to serve the Lord in this place. I guess you kind of noticed today that we choir looks a little different. I just want to tell you a little bit about what we're doing. Uh, I've been working with some musicians at Chapel Hill. We've been kind of got together and, and, and been playing some praise music at Chapel Hill in their early ser- early service. And we've kind of got a combination here. We've got some, uh, Daryl Garrett. He does uh, in uh, Clay, Kentucky. He's uh, Praise leader for Webb Memorial, right? Mm-hmm. We've got, of course, you know this guy back here, John Cornelius. He's in Community Baptist. We have Keith Buckman, Ryan Buckman, Kenny Leggett, Randy Sugg. They're from the Chapel Hill group. George Robertson belongs to us. And, of course, I belong to y'all, too. <laughs> but what we're doing today, somebody told me that, uh, somebody said somebody had a birthday. Uh, Pam, do you know anybody that has a birthday today? Eighty-seven years old? Is that right? Oh, I think it's Mildred. If you would join in with me and sing happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mildred. Happy birthday to this this first song, we're going to change a little bit of the order of service, at, or just just this point here, where we're going to do a gathering hymn because uh, uh, the other service was going on and kind of overlapped. But we got over here in time, so we're going to do a song for you. We won't have the words up, but if you know it, you can join in with it. It's called uh, Your Name. Give us strength to 
churches can collaborate together and work together to serve God. And so thank you. Thank you, guys. This was wonderful, wonderful. Uh, welcome to everyone. So glad that you are here today. It's great to be in God's house with God's people and serving the Lord together. And so we welcome everyone here today. We welcome our guests, especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and, and, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. And and uh, we'd like to invite you to stop by our hospitality table in the foyer. Uh, before you leave today, we have a little gift that we'd like to give to you uh, as a sign of appreciation for visiting with us today. And I hope you'll come back again. Um, just a few announcements I want to call to your attention. I want to do our announcements at this point in our service because it's a little bit different today. Uh, but some announcements I'd like to call to your attention today. First of all, we will be having our church council today at 5 o'clock. I think there's some confusion about what time. It'll be at 5 o'clock today. Uh, and then at 6 o'clock, uh, our recre recreation team is uh, uh, going to be having a bunco um, game tonight, a bunco game night tonight. And I've, I'm not sure exactly how to play that, but I'm willing to learn and and uh, looking forward to that, but understand that we need to be here right at 6 o'clock because Nora is going to go through all the rules and everything right at 6 o'clock. And so y'all come and have fun with that. Uh, Wednesday night, we're, um, we're resuming our regular Wednesday night schedule. Um, and this Wednesday, we're going to be starting a, a Bible study. And, and the past two Wednesdays, we've been praying. We've, we spent pretty much the whole time the past two Wednesdays praying for different ministries of our church. And uh, so this Wednesday, we're going to be starting a Bible study on the subject of prayer. Uh, maybe we got our court, cart before the horse or whatever, but, uh, uh, but we're going to be talking about praying, uh, about prayer for the next several weeks. And so we invite you to come and share this important time with us. Our women's mission group is meeting tomorrow. Is that right? Tomorrow at Teresa Kritzer's house. And um, Coming up in a couple of weeks, um, this is something that came from before. We're going to be having that uh, Valentine's dinner. And we had that competition. What is a competition? Who won that competition? Okay. Yeah, we had the guys against the, the, the men against the women, the guys against the girls there uh, uh, back in the fall where we were collecting food for uh, Christian outreach. Now, last week, I mean, last year, we just mopped up for you guys, but yeah. uh, we had to let them win. But it's a different year, isn't it? And so the ladies won this year, and that means the men have to provide dinner for the ladies on February 12th. It's a, 
It's a Valentine's night. It's a Valentine's dinner night. Um, a couple of things with that. Ladies, if you would get your reservations in by next Friday so we can know how many, how much to pre- prepare for. And men, if you could see Phil Wagner and give him $10 so we can cover the expense of the meal, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, thank you for that. And, our, and we have a uh, blood drive that's coming up uh, February the 15th. And so see Jika and she'll uh, get your name reserved for the blood drive. And happy birthday, Mildred. Happy birthday. What a wonderful, wonderful day. We're glad that you're here to celebrate with us today. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Greetings. Hello. Children can begin their way to the front. Good morning. The children can begin their way to the front. Do we have more children? How are you? Nala, right? That's your sister. You're Nala. Neva. Do we just have two this morning? We have some more. Okay. Thank you, children, for coming down. Well, we have a few. Good morning. I've got something for you today, and I want to ask you a question. We have some feedback coming. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Ask you a question. Have you ever noticed when you drive around with your parents in Henderson, Kentucky, some police cars, especially when they're parked at the Thornton's gas station? Have you ever seen those police cars there? Okay. You noticed them? Well, I'm going to let you into a really big secret. Okay, guess what? There is not a police officer in those vehicles. They're just sitting there. Okay? Now, what are police officers? What are they? They help you keep you safe. They are an authority. When a police officer gets behind us with their lights going on, what do we do? We're supposed to pull over, right? Police officers have authority. But those vehicles that are parked at the Thornton's gas station and other various points around our community are empty. But when we drive by them and see them, what do we do? We slow down. (laughs) Well, that's one example of an authority that's working, but they're really not saying anything or doing anything. And an example this week, oh great, we have some more coming too. 
Um, another example of authority this week, I have a wonderful, precious niece. Her name is Callie Priest. She's a fourth grader. She's 10 years old, and she goes to Holy Name School. And every Thursday, I pick her up. I take her to music lessons, and she comes back to my house. And without me saying a word, she pulls out her spelling words list and starts studying her spelling words because I understand it that most fourth graders have spelling tests on Friday. Is that correct? You have spelling tests on Friday? Well, she just does that. And she spends about, well, this week, I know she spent a good hour and a half working on her homework, and she just, she's a good kid, and she just does that. And this week was a little bit unusual in the sense that Greg and I had a meeting we had to go to for an hour during our normal dinner time. So we told Callie that we were going to leave her at the house by herself, and we really didn't give her any instructions whatsoever I told her if she wanted to turn the music up as loud as she wanted and dance around, she could do that. But we just left and came back in an hour. And she didn't have any authority over her that whole hour we were gone. But you know, the neatest thing happened when we got home. She had the table set. She had the food out of the refrigerator that we were going to eat. Of course, she knew that as a 10-year-old, you're not supposed to turn the stove on. Um, She had the food out. She had a menu written out about what we were going to have to eat. And she had her apron on, and she had the music on the house sound system turned to the music that I like. And I was just so impressed by that 10-year-old having no authority over her whatsoever, and she did all of that. Isn't that amazing? You know, Pastor Tim is going to be talking today about the authority of God. And the authority of God doesn't really uh, speak like I am right now, but God speaks through people, right, who are in authority, like preachers and teachers, police officers. And because of the example that those people in authority give, it causes us as little people and big people too to do what we're supposed to do. Isn't that cool? So just like the police officer that is not in that vehicle, but we slow down, and just like my niece who set the table and got everything ready, not because anybody told her to, and just because we have God in our life and godly people that have been authority figures, it causes us to love, to show grace, and to be kind in everything that we do. That's all I have for you today. Those of you that are eligible can go to the children's places around our church, and the rest of us will continue in worship. Thank you. This, this next song we're going to do is a, it's actually a song written by uh, Jackson Brown, and uh, but, True Face, this group, we've all got together and we've changed the words to make it a praise song. So we'll have the words up on top. Some of you guys will probably know the tune. The words are going to be different, but we'll have this for you. If you wouldn't mind, stand and sing with us and join us, okay? Two, three, four.
today is Mark 1:21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Our next song we're going to sing is uh, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Uh, That is Mary Dunham's favorite praise song, and this is her special day to be ordained. So if you would please stand and join and sing it. You know this song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes, I want to see you. Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see
nice. Thank you. Thank you, Becky and Jika and Praise Band. It's been a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, before I get started in the sermon today, did I forget to remind everybody about the attendance pad? If I did, let me remind everybody to pass the pad down and sign the, the sheets there. We'd appreciate a record of your attendance with us this morning. Um, let me ask you, how many of you have ever heard the term slain in the spirit? Anybody, a few of you have heard the term slain in the spirit. It's a term that is sometimes used in, in a, a Pentecostal church, for example, to refer to um, a phenomenon where, whereby someone gets so caught up in the spirit that they will literally lose control of themselves. And sometimes they will hoop and holler and sometimes they'll even pass out. Uh, well, that happened in a worship service that I was leading many years ago when I was a pastor in, in Atlanta. Uh, it was a pretty typical worship service, and I don't even remember what I was preaching on. But at the end of the service, I gave an invitation like I usually do. And, and this woman from, from Africa who had been coming to our services fairly regularly suddenly buckled at her knees and began whooping. Well... Now, we were a pretty traditional Baptist church, and most of the people there had never experienced anything like this before. So as you can imagine, nobody knew exactly what to do. Well, I, I, rec- I saw what was happening. I knew exactly what was going on. So even though I, I was surprised, it surprised me. I didn't really, it didn't really concern me that much. In fact, I just kind of grinned. I was kind of proud of myself, actually. But others in the church, they didn't know what was going on. And so they rushed to her side and, and pulled her up and, and calmed her down. And, and later somebody in the church said that she was just about to call 911. It was all quite an, an educational and emotional experience for us. But as I read the scriptures, I realized that, that this was certainly not the first time that something like this has happened. In fact, it happened to Jesus. It seems that one Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. And the Bible tells us that the people were, were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Now, that's an interesting phrase. He taught them as one who had authority. And it raises a, an interesting question. Where does authority come from? Well, if you've ever been in the military or in a highly structured business environment, then you know where it comes from. It it comes from rank or a position of hierarchy. James Fix published a book of games a while back called More Games for the Super Intelligent. And in this book, he offers this wonderful, challenging puzzle that comes from a military setting. Here it is. He said, you're a captain in charge of one sergeant and four men, four soldiers. Your task is to raise a 100-foot flagpole and slide it into a hole that is 10 feet deep. You have two ropes. One is 22 feet long and the other is 26 feet long, two shovels and two buckets. How do you accomplish your task? Any ideas? Well, it's very simple, actually. The answer is very simple. Since you're the captain, you turn to your sergeant and say, Sergeant, get that flagpole up. 
That's what's called positional authority. You have a position of authority and those who are under you obey. Maybe you've had a sergeant or a boss that's like that. But of course, that type of authority has its limitations, doesn't doesn't it? You might have heard the story about the second lieutenant who discovered that he didn't have any change when he wanted to buy a a, a, a soda from a soft drink from the vending machine. And so he, he flagged down a passing private and asked him if he had change for a dollar. Soldier, do you have change for a dollar? And the private cheerfully said, yeah, I think so. Let me check. And so the lieutenant kind of drew himself up and said, soldier, that's no way to address an officer. We'll start all over again. Soldier, do you have a dollar? Do you have change for a dollar? To which the private saluted smartly and got to attention, looked straight ahead and said, sir, no, sir. I guess in that situation, pulling rank backfired a little bit. But some people have authority because of their position, while others have authority because of their personality or their knowledge or their their competence. Well, as a carpenter, Jesus had no positional authority in his community. And so his authority came from his wisdom. From his knowledge, from his competence at interpreting God's word, even as a as a 12 year old boy, Jesus wowed the teachers in the temple with his wisdom and his grasp of the of the scriptures. And of course, the people of Capernaum could could not have known that that his authority ultimately came from God. All they knew was that they had they had never heard anyone teach like Jesus before. And so they said to one another, he teaches as one who has authority. But even Jesus got interrupted from time to time. This time it it wasn't a woman getting caught up in the spirit. It was a man who was possessed by a spirit that disrupted Jesus's teaching. Mark tells us that this man cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? He asked. I I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's interesting that the impure spirits recognized Jesus' authority before the people of Capernaum did. But Jesus said to him, be quiet. Come out of him. And then something remarkable happened. The impure spirit shook the man violently and and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed that they they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to, to impure spirits and they obey him. And Mark tells us that news about him spread quickly all over the region of Galilee. So Jesus has authority because of his teachings, but he also has authority because of his his power over what Mark calls an impure spirit. In other places, we see his authority over nature. We see his authority over disease and, and even over death. And so this brings us to something obvious that we need to affirm about Jesus. And that is that he was unique. 
He was unique. There was no one quite like him. Now, I'm sure that there were some other fine teachers in Galilee during his day, but they couldn't cast out impure spirits. They could not turn water into wine or heal the leper or multiply the the, the fish and the loaves or forgive sins. There was just something about Jesus that could not be said about his contemporaries. He had authority, physical authority, spiritual authority, moral authority. Even after his death and resurrection, he had authority. When confronted by someone who was demon-possessed or who was blind or physically challenged, all the disciples had to do was to evoke the name of Jesus and the, the demons were cast out or the physically challenged were healed and the blind could see again. That's authority. Singer and songwriter Gloria Gaither put it like this as a part of a musical that she and her husband Bill wrote many years ago. It says, Jesus, the mere mention of his name can calm the storm, heal the broken, raise the dead. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious with fever. And I've watched that little body grow quiet and the fevered brow cool. I've sat beside a dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those fleeting final seconds summoned her last ounce of of ebbing strength to whisper earth's sweetest, sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophers have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claim it. Yet still it stands. Jesus. My friends, that is authority. The distinguished British intellectual Malcolm, Malcolm Muggeridge put it like this. He said, I may, I may, I suppose, pass for being a relatively successful man. People occasionally stare at me in the streets. That's fame. I can fairly easily earn enough to qualify for admission to the higher slopes of the internal revenue that success furnished with money and a little fame, even the elderly may partake of trendy diversions. That's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently heated for me to persuade myself that it represented a serious impact on our time. That's fulfillment. Yet I say to you, and I beg you to believe me. Multiply these tiny triumphs by a million, add them all together, and they are nothing, less than nothing, measured against one drink of that living water that Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. That's authority. Jesus was a wonderful teacher. But no mere teacher had the authority to raise the dead. Jesus was a leader, a prophet, a moral visionary, but none of these explain his impact on civilization. As someone has said, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50 years, Aristotle for 40 years, and Jesus for only three years. 
Yet the influence of Jesus Christ and his ministry infinitely transcend, transcends the impact left by the combined years of teaching from these great philosophers. As far as we know, Jesus painted no pictures. Yet some of the finest artists in history, such as Raphael and Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Milton, and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Jesus composed no music, but Haydn and Handel and Beethoven and Bach and Mendelssohn reached their highest perfection of melody in the music that they composed in his praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter from Nazareth. It took a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion stationed at the foot of his cross to sum it all up. Surely this man was the son of God. No one else has ever spoken with the authority that Christ spoke with. He was truly unique. But this brings us to an obvious question. If Jesus truly is the son of God. Shouldn't we reflect his influence more in our lives? If he is the son of the most high God, and if his teachings are the foundation upon which we build our lives, shouldn't that fact be reflected more in how we live? Donald Gray Barnhouse tells a story of something that happened to him many years ago is during the Korean War. He was on a flight from New York to Los Angeles, and the flight attendant seated a a young girl next to him, uh, early 20s. And obviously, the girl had never flown before. Over the loudspeaker, the the, uh, flight attendant told everyone to fasten your seatbelts. Well, she didn't even know what a seatbelt was. And so Pastor Barnhouse Barnhouse helped her and, and asked her, you've never flown before? And she said, no, this is my first time. And as he, he spoke to her, she opened her purse, and, and there was a picture of a, of a handsome young G.I. there. And so Barnhouse said, are you, are you going to, to see him? And she said, yes, he's coming home. She went on to explain that they had gotten married a year and a half earlier, and they had a, a honeymoon of just a few days before he had to go to the coast and, and from there on to Korea. And now he was coming home, and, and she was going to see him. Barnhouse could tell that going to see her her husband, it meant everything to this young woman. He was her bridegroom. She was his bride, and she was going to see him after so long. And oh, how she longed to see him. Then Barnhouse said something very important. He said, you wonder somehow... Why Christians live as they do and make the choices that they make. They are on their way to see their bridegroom too. Yet, they go right on and live in the world as if it had no effect on their lives at all. And that's true, isn't it? 
One day we're going to see our bridegroom, our Lord and our master. But too often, it does not seem to make any difference in the way we live our lives. Do you believe that Jesus really is who he says he is? And don't you think his influence should show more in our lives? Jesus spoke with authority. And this brings us to one final question. If Jesus is who he says he is, shouldn't we tell that good news to others? young boy from a non-Christian family named Palmer Ofuoku was placed in a mission school by his Nigerian parents because they knew that he would receive a good education there. He attended the school for, for years, but he did not convert to Christianity. He remained faithful to his traditional African religion. But then a new missionary came to the school. And this new missionary began to develop a close relationship with the students in the school there. And, and eventually this missionary led this young Nigerian to Christ. Palmer explained the missionary's influence on his life like this. He said he built a bridge of friendship to me. And Jesus walked across it. My friends, that's the best definition of evangelism that I've ever heard. He built a bridge of friendship to me. And Jesus walked across it. That's what you and I need to be doing every day of our lives. Building bridges of friendship to the people around us so that Jesus can walk across it. Today, we are ordaining Mary Dunham to the, to the ministry of deacon. And this ministry is a bit paradoxical. For you see, by, by electing Mary as a deacon, you are bestowing upon her a certain amount of authority. You are basically saying that you have seen something in Mary's life that, that you respect. Something in her personality, something in her knowledge, something in her competence. And so you're saying to her, we the people of Community Baptist Church hereby bestow upon you the honor of being one of our deacons. In some way, we are bestowing a certain amount of authority upon her. But the flip side of this deacon thing is that the position of deacon is actually a position of service. That's what the word deacon really means. A deacon is a servant. And the very notion of servanthood and authority seems, seem to disconnect, don't they? In our minds, we, we think of a servant as someone who serves a person in authority. So how can you be both at the same time? Well, Mary, here's how. You follow the original servant leader, Jesus Christ. Some who get their authority by virtue of their position of power consider it an, an entitlement to be served by others. But listen what Jesus said, the ultimate 
authority and leader of our universe. He said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. That's the kind of authority that you have, Mary. And all of the other deacons and ministers that we have here at Community Baptist Church. It's an authority that comes by virtue of the fact that you have shown that you love your God. You love our church. You love these people here and you're willing to give your time and your talents and your energy in serving them. And so we ordain you today. We set you aside for this special ministry because you have recognized the authority of Jesus Christ over your life. You have allowed that authority to make a difference in your life. And you have willingly accepted the challenge that your congregation has given to you to follow in the steps of Jesus in service. Sharing the good news and the example of Christ through the life that you live. And so we commend you, Mary, as a servant leader of Community Baptist Church. Amen. Now, if you would take your worship folder and turn it over to the back. This is one of those Sundays that we're, we're going two pages, folks. And as you do that, we will continue our service of worship. And Mary, I want to ask you to come and have a seat right here in this seat of service. (laughs) And John and Kelsey and where's Jake? Jake, come on up here. Y'all could stand behind her and come on up, Alice. Yeah, pull that chair up there by her. What's going to happen here is uh, we're going to have the ordination liturgy that we have printed on your, uh, on your folder there. We're going to go through the ordination liturgy, and then Nora Hobson will be coming and bringing the, the ordination prayer. And then we want to invite everyone who wants to to come and to lay hands on Mary and offer her a a, a prayer or a word of encouragement or both as as she begins this ministry together. And I know that some churches, you you have the only only ministers to do that. But you know what? You, you the church, you're the ones, you're the ones who have called her out to this ministry. You're the ones who elected her as deacon. And so we want to invite anyone who wants to to come and lay your hands on her and offer her this prayer as we set her aside and ordain her to the ministry of deacon. Now let us begin with our ordination liturgy. In the presence of God, we solemnly recognize the importance of the office of deacon. The deacon is to assist in responding to needs, to minister in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Mary, you have been entrusted with a sacred task. Do you now accept the challenge of caring for God's people in the community of believers? And to you, the congregation, in placing this mantle of responsibility on this servant, you must commit to support her in her ministry. Do you accept the challenge? Recognizing that we are one body in Christ and having promised mutual support before a holy God, let us serve one another. Nora. I too could be like Dr. Hobbs and Bragg because one of the greatest ministries we have in our deacon group is our deacon family. And Mary is in my is one of my families, so I'm quite honored to be uh, up here tonight today and to ask that you pray with me. Our heavenly, most honored Father, we as a congregation present to you today, in recognition of her servanthood, Mary Dunham, one whose service to those in need has already changed so many lives. So many people from the outside have seen. So many people from the inside have seen. May we as a body of believers support her, acknowledge her, and love her. Place on her heart the vision of servanthood, an appointment to serve you, to serve her families, her church. It is such a large task, and we as a family will support her. Be with her in her days to come, in her journey, in growing closer to you. And as she puts down each brick that she lays for the bridge that she's building. Bless her. Bless her family. Bless those who have touched her lives and who have molded her into who she is. We are so grateful that Mary Dunham is here to be with us to make a difference for me. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And now we invite anyone who would like to to come by and offer your blessings on Mary and lay your hands your hands on her. We'll start on this side and just kind of move across in this in this direction. So
Are there others who want to come? What a wonderful servant of the Lord. Now, she would like to have a few words with our congregation. I knew somebody would do that. I have snot running. Oh, my. I know Silva Rendek back there to check on my daughter. I know she's. I typed it because I knew this would happen. I come to you this morning to assure you I'm ready to accept the role of deacon in our amazing church. Finally, at age 53, I realize that God is leading me, and life is truly the path set for us by our loving, gracious Father. We moved to Henderson on September 10th, 2001, the day before 911. Isn't it strange how those life events change so many lives? As we settled in our new home, the search for a new church began. I remember entering churches where not one person spoke to our anxious, fragile family. Following God's path, we walked through the doors of Community Baptist to sign Kelsey and Jacob for Upward. Tim Hall, oh, there's God's calling already. (laughs) Tim Hall was Jake's coach. Tim's love and patience 
with this lively group of five-year-olds was an inspiration. Tim and Cindy surrounded us with their love. Thank you. Our family then took a huge step to visit CBC for church. Of course, open arms were there to greet us. Pam Gardner, what an amazing servant of God. If I listed all the people who greeted us, who hugged us, and invited us back, we would be here in truck until Cracker Barrel's tables and waiting lists are full. <laughs> that Sunday was truly amazing, and my path continued to be laid down. The next step on our path was inviting Dr. Tim and Susan to our house for dinner. I was filled with anxiety as the evening approached. It wasn't anxiety, it was God working inside of me. My thoughts of, I'm not a good Christian, look at my past, I'm not worthy, were quickly laid to rest as Tim and Susan embraced all of us. As the evening ended, I knew God had spent, sent these two special people into our lives for a reason. Page two. The years have passed and my path in life is richer with memories of the Sunday our family became members of this church. The Christmas party at our house when the kids were young, the Knights were there, the Marseilles were there, the Flemings. It's the one we made the Christmas plates for the kids. The Bible school week. Leslie was Jake's teacher. And her teachings led to his decision to be baptized. The amazing day Kelsey was baptized. And the tears that fell from her daddy's eyes. The youth group, led by Julie, gathering in our house, our house exploded with laughter that evening and song. And it, especially a memory of the heart-stopping rendition of Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. The kids knocked it out of the ballpark. The day Chris Hopgood called me at my house and offered me the direction of children's ministry. Thank you, Chris. The special times I've worked with the Christ-like women of this church, painting with Sybil, the upward leadership from Christine, and just yesterday, when many of you gathered at the Christian Outreach to clean and paint in support of my new ministry. I give my heart and my thanks to Nora Hobson. I would not feel ready to accept Deacon if it weren't for her. What I'm grateful for the most is the way the church has strengthened my marriage and my love for my family. I love you guys. And all God's people said, Amen. It has been a wonderful day. I'm sorry to say that we are not going to beat the Methodists to the <laughs> Cracker Barrel today. <laughs> we'll beat some of the Methodists to the Cracker Barrel today. But that's okay. God's Spirit is here, and it's, it's been a wonderful, wonderful day. So let me invite you to stand, and we will sing our closing hymn, Share His Love. And then afterwards, Mary will pronounce our benediction.
Gracious, loving Father, I fill you with us today. I give thanks to you for leading me your way. Thank you for sending your son to guide each of us through this path of life. Be with us as we leave this safe environment and enter the sometimes cold, cruel world outside these doors. Continue to remind us your spirit is present always, and as servants we can share your love with others. In your name we pray. Amen.